You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And today is the 12th day of July, 2021. We'll be reading Priesthood Rights and Keys, which is Chapter 4 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 6. Uh, unfortunately, I am almost to the Grizz, and my cell phone cuts out a lot when I get to the Grizz. So I'm going to have to have Emmett uh, all real quick, and then Emmett will start the reading tonight. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank thee, Father, for being able to use this technology 
to speak to the thy people throughout the world and offer things to contemplate about the restored gospel of of thy kingdom upon the earth. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for all of our many blessings and say these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Emmett, you ready to go? Yeah, uh, I'm going to be reading, I think, for a little bit, and then Mom's going to call in because she's here. So that's oh, good. Okay. Uh, we're on page 42, and we're going to be reading to page 66 tonight. So a lot of reading. Um, Mom says it's completely doable, so I guess it's completely doable. But um, I will be on. I will be back in just a minute. I have to put my hard hat on, and my headset does not fit under my hard hat. So. I'll be off for just a minute, but I'm going to put it on speakerphone so I can hear when I'm in the truck, but I got to jump in and out of the truck to get my load off, so so I'll be in and out, but I'll be back on as soon as I can be back on. Okay. 42 and 4. Uh, 42. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the studio. It looks like someone called in. Wow. Anyway, so I'm going to be oh. reading. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, but I'm going to be reading uh, page 42 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 5, or Chapter 4 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 6. I forgot. I've been used to saying that because that was what we were reading the last time we did. Anyways, the Lord promised Zacharias that he should have a son who was a descendant of Aaron, the Lord having promised that the priesthood should continue with Aaron and his seed throughout their generations. Let no man take this honor upon himself, except he be called of God, as as was Aaron, and Aaron received his call by revelation. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 272. We have often heard the scriptural passage that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably, inseparably connected with the powers of heaven. But like many of the priesthood terms already discussed, this, word's rights, or this word rights is also frequently misunderstood. This chapter will discuss answers to the to three frequently asked questions regarding priesthood rights and keys. First, who has the keys of the priesthood? Second, what are the rights to the priesthood keys? And third, how does one use and abuse priesthood keys? First, who has the keys of the priesthood? The term keys of the priesthood often confuses people because it has been used in so many different contexts. Sometimes the expression refers to one man or a quorum of men or to many individual men. This may seem contradictory at first, but when it is properly understood, each statement can be correct. Uh, now we're on page 43. Anything to say? Okay, I'm going to take that as a no. Um, anyways, continuing on. Keys of the priesthood are within the rights, powers, and privileges of the priesthood. As explained in the previous chapter, when a man is conferred with either the Aaronic or Melchizedek priesthood, they are blessed with certain keys that automatically come with that priesthood authority. Then when they are called to various positions, they are entitled to additional keys to enable them to perform that particular work. Consider the following examples of those who have held various keys of the priesthood. Um, one man, and I have appointed unto my servant Joseph to hold this power in the last days. And there is never but one on the earth at a time to, on whom this power and the keys of the priesthood are conferred. DMC 
See Chapter 8, Joseph Smith and the Keys for more information on the subject. Apostles, in the name of the, in the, name of the Lord, I, Joseph Smith, shall now shake from my shoulders the responsibility of bearing um, of bearing off the kingdom of God to all the world. And here and now I place that responsibility with all the keys, powers, and privileges pertaining thereto upon the shoulders of you, the Twelve Apostles, in connection with this council. A letter to George F. Gibbs from Benjamin F. Johnson, page 18. When a man is an apostle and stands at the head of the kingdom of God on the earth and magnifies his calling, he has the keys of all the power that ever was bestowed upon mortal man for the building up of the kingdom of God on the earth. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, 6, 320. Um, uh, my mom just called in. Hi, Mom. You're unmuted now. Hi. Sorry for my tardiness. My, uh, so my uh, sister is just got released from the hospital. She had surgery, and she they had a lot of complications, but it wasn't the surgery, and they're really not sure what is happening next. So um, she is calling in, and her husband is kind of having, you know, anxiety over the whole thing, which I don't blame him because it's scary. So, yeah, so I was uh, checking in with them, too, at last minute because they had uh, called. So, anyways. Um, tonight, Emmett, I am on page 17, Hello. and I don't see where you're at. So what book are we still on? Holy Priesthood, Volume 6, and Sign to the Nation. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, well, can I don't know me? where he went off to. Yeah, now I can. Oh, um, hi. So can you tell me what Hello. page it is? So you myself. said page 17. Oh, okay. You you said page 17, Holy Priesthood, Volume 6. Is that what we're doing? Uh, uh, we started off on page 16, six. Chapter 4. Mm-hmm. Chapter 4. Let me make sure this is the right chapter then. Cause chapter I'm, 4. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I haven't written that book oh. in a little bit. Okay. That's why I'm just on the wrong chapter. Let me flip the page twice, and then I'll be on the right oh. chapter. Okay, so and I only... just read to. Okay, I just read to page 44. Um, anything to say? Well, I don't have anything to say because I just jumped back on. What were you talking about, Kim? Uh, the uh... oh, just uh, Becky. So she came out of the hospital. Oh. They they did let her go home today. Um still having complications, but if she's having more, they want her to go and see a specialist, like a different one, which means they would have to drive uh, her up even further. So um, they're still not sure what they're doing. It's like a hurry up and wait. Uh, Yeah, yep, or Seattle. They need a bigger hospital. They don't have a big enough hospital where she's at. Oh, Seattle's on the other side of the state. Spokane's a big right? Well, Kent's a pretty big city. I mean, you'd think that they'd have a bigger hospital be, there. Yes. I think that one would probably be okay. I think that's, yeah. Spokane probably is where they she would go. But still, it's a lot. And her husband was like, are you coming up here to see your sister? And I was like, uh-huh. what happened? What did I miss? So, 
so that's why I was tardy on the radio show. But um, I can read Emmett if you want me to. Okay. Uh, I don't mind if you want to or not. Okay. And you just started um, 44, so you're on what ordination, right? Um, I just finished 44. Yeah. Oh, wait, so you okay. finished 44. I... So now you're on page 45? Uh, oh no! Uh, what ordination should a man receive to possess all the keys and powers? Uh, I just uh, I'm on my phone. Mom took the book from me, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so the uh, so one I originally out. said was correct. So then, what I originally yes, just was. said is correct. Yes. Okay. You're yeah. on page just 44 now. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sounds amazing. Okay, let me continue on and see if I can't get into this. Priesthood rights and keys. Sounds interesting. Okay. What ordination should a man receive to possess all the keys and powers of the holy priesthood that were delivered to the sons of Adam? He should be ordained an apostle of Jesus Christ. That office puts him in possession of every key, every power, every authority, communication, benefit, blessing, glory, and kingdom that was ever revealed to man. That comes from Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 9, page 87. Uh, next quote comes from Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 13, page 144, quote, An apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ has the keys of the holy priesthood and the power thereof is sealed upon his head, end quote. Again, Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 13, page 144. And that's something you'll see when I have a book. Oh, my goodness, I love reading in books. I'm a little bit faster, which might not be great for everybody listening, but I can see the quotes and everything ahead of time. So um, when I'm on the phone part, it's a little bit harder because you you don't see the whole entire screen the way it's already set up here in the book. So um, if I get on reading too fast, then, uh, you know, Marker Emmett, just say, hey, slow down so I can hear you, okay? Well, you're a good <laughs> okay. pronunciator, and we do have 24 pages to cover tonight, so... Okay, so it's okay if I'm reading a little fast. They can put it on slow-mo yeah. on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, this is now speed. apostles and others. <laughs> put it on quarter speed, yep. Apostles and others. Moses conferred these keys of authority upon the prophet Joseph Smith, and he afterwards conferred them upon the 12 apostles and others, who, when they were ordained, received them as part of their ministry and priesthood. That's John Taylor, Journal of Discourse, Volume 19, page 239. Uh, this next quote comes from Wilford Woodruff, Contributor, uh, Volume 10, page 382. Quote, I am the last man living who heard that declaration. He told the truth, too. For would not any of the men who have held the keys of the kingdom of God or an apostleship in this church have been under condemnation? And would not the wrath of God have rested upon them if they had deserted these principles? Wilford Woodruff, Contributor, Volume 10, page 382. 70s. Few read in Revelation alluded to that when the twelve were called and ordained, they possessed the same power and authority as the three first presidents. And in reading further, you find that there must needs be appendages and helps growing out of this, this priesthood, page 45. The 70s possess the same power and authority. They, they hold the keys of the establishing, building up, regulating, ordaining, and setting in order the kingdom of God and all its perfections upon the earth. Brigham Young, Journal Discourse, Volume 9, page 87. 70s, High Priests and Elders. So the 
church and the Twelve Apostles should suffer martyrdom, there will remain over 4,070s, all apostles of the Son of God, and were these to be slain, there still would remain many thousands of high priests, and as many more elders, all possessing the same authority to administer the gospel ordinances. That's Lorenzo Snow, Millennial Star, Volume 48, page 111. Uh, Broom Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 9, page 88. If in the provident quote, if in the providence of God he should permit the enemy to destroy these two first quorms, and then destroy the quorm of the seventy, all but one man, what is his power? It would go to be, it would be to go and preach, baptize, confirm, lay hands on, ordain, set in order, build up, and establish the whole kingdom of God as it is now. Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume Nine, Page Eighty-Eight. Um, did you want to say anything about that, Mark? So, um, that is saying that if only one man is left, he's going to build up the kingdom of God. Well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, there's a quote that's a little bit later on in the chapter where Wilfred Woodruff is speaking to the elders of the church and to the church as a whole. And Uh he says that they have the keys. They all have the keys. They're held by many. The the thing that gets screwed up is when in the Doctrine and Covenants it it says that there was one man on the earth, all that's talking about is that the one man on the earth that is filled up to God through his calling and election and the law of adoption, and when others are sealed to that person, they are sealed up unto God and all that he is sealed up to in the heavens. It's a, crea- it's a, it's a chain that, um, that one man holds the link to on the earth, uh, and it is his job to do the sealing, and he can, he can keep that as well, but they have to be sealed to him and he holds the presiding authority for the sealing keys. I'm uh, on Wash Plant Hill right now, so I don't know if I'm breaking up or not. Uh, it sounded like it's me, but that might just be me. <laughs> no, it was you. You were breaking up just a little bit. I muted my mic so that you could, um, you know, not hear that echo. Um, but I'll continue oh. on. Well, I'm just – so, like, when you're giving priesthood, that – Uh, when you have proper priesthood conferred upon you and you have a good line of authority and not an invalid line of authority, um, there are keys that are given with that priesthood for you to do your job in the priesthood. So uh, men get um, Aaronic and Melchizedek priesthood and women get uh, matriarchal priesthood and there are keys that you can exercise as well in the blessing of your husband or children or even other people. Uh, And these things were known in the church in the Restoration, but it's been a while and there's been a lot of knowledge that has been lost to the church, unfortunately. All right, I'm I'm going to mute myself now. Go ahead. Okay. I had to do that, too. Thanks for letting me know. (laughs) Okay, this is talking of high priests. We have a quorum of high priests, and there are a great many of them. They are a local body. They tarry at home, but the 70s travel and preach so that 
so also do the high priests when they are called upon. They possess precisely the same priesthood that the 70s and 12 in the first presidency possesses. But are they ordained to officiate in all the authority, powers, and keys of this priesthood? No, they are not. Still, they are high priests of God, and if they magnify their priesthood, they will receive at some time all the authority and power that is possible for man to receive. That's Brigham Young, Journal of Discourse, Volume 9, page 87 through 88. And we're now on page 46, which I'm not going to stop for because we just chatted. We'll chat again in a minute. Now we're talking about elders. Whoever is ordained to the office of an elder, to a certain degree, possesses the keys of the Melchizedek priesthood. And suppose only one elder should be left on the earth. Could he go and set in order the kingdom of God? Yes, by revelation. Brigham Young, Journal Discourse, Volume 9, page 88. The keys of the kingdom, this is teaching to the prophet Joseph Smith, page 226, quote, the keys of the kingdom are about to give, or to be given, to them, uh, speaking of heads of the church, that they may be able to detect everything false, as well as to all the elders who shall prove their integrity in due season, page 226. Now we're going to be speaking of the corn leaders and officers. This comes from... Um, evidence and Reconciliation, Woodsow, page 234. That might be incorrect, though, because it just says Evid and Recon, Woodsow, page 234. Quote, all members of a priesthood quorum hold equal priesthood authority, but in the president of the quorum is vested the authority to use the priesthood for quorum purposes, for he holds the keys of authority for the quorum. Uh, end quote. Evidence and Reconciliation, Woodsell, page 234. This is Doctrinal History of the Church, volume 4, page 284. Quote, Verily I say unto you, I now give unto you the officers belonging to my priesthood, that ye may hold the keys thereof, even the priesthood which is after the order of Melchizedek, which is after the order of my only begotten son. End quote. Doctrinal History of the Church, volume 4, page 284. This is a bunch of quotes. Teachings of Ezra Taft Benson, pages 216 to 217, quote, The rights of the priesthood are the keys or covenants pertaining to the priesthood offices. The powers of heaven are gifts of the spirit, which the Lord God omnipotent gives to righteous priesthood holders. End quote. Teachings of Ezra Taft Benson. The bishopric is the presidency of this Aaronic priesthood and holds the keys or authority of the same. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 4, page 211. We're now on page 47. And speaking about priesthood holders. Blessing to confer Melchizedek priesthood. This is Gospel Doctrine, Joseph Fielding Smith, page 514. Quote, and confer upon you all the rights, powers, keys, and authority pertaining to this office and calling in the holy Melchizedek priesthood in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. End quote. Gospel Doctrine, Joseph Fielding Smith, page 541. Uh, this is DNC, uh, chapter 107, verse 18, quote, The power and authority of the higher, or Melchizedek priesthood, is to hold the keys of all the spiritual blessings of the church, end quote, Doctrinal History, or Doctrine and Covenants, 107, verse 18. The next quote, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 166, the Melchizedek priesthood comprehends the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood and is the grand head and holds the highest authority which pertains to the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom. End quote. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 166. This is Gospel Doctrine, Joseph Fielding Smith, page 142. Quote, what is a key? 
is it the right or privilege which belongs to and comes with the priesthood to have communion with God? End quote. Gospel Doctrine, Joseph Filling Smith, page 142. The priesthood is given to the people and the keys thereof, and when properly understood, they may actually unlock the treasury of the Lord and receive to their fullest satisfaction. An individual who holds and share a share in the priesthood and continues faithful to his calling upon whoever are bestowed the keys of the eternal priesthood by a faithful life will secure to themselves power to see the things of God. Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 3, page 192. And now we're at Firstborn Sons of Aaron. This is going to be Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 68, verse 16 and 17, quote, And if they be literal descendants of Aaron, they have a legal right to the bishopric. If they are the firstborn among the sons of Aaron, for the firstborn holds the right of the presidency over this priesthood and the keys of authority of the same. Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 68, verses 16 and 17. And now we're going to be speaking of those with endowments. Let's see. Discourse of Brigham Young, page 396, quote, Then go on and build the temples of the Lord, that you may receive the endowments in store for you, and possess the keys of the eternal priesthood. End quote. Discourse of Brigham Young, page 396. This is going to be House of the Lord, Talmadge, page 190, quote, We want to rear this temple with clean hands and pure hearts that we, with our children, may enter into it to receive our washings and anointings, the keys and ordinances of the holy priesthood, and also officiate in the same for our fathers and mothers and our forefathers. End quote. The House of the Lord, Talmadge, page 190. And this next quote is a few of them all at once, but it's Doctrinal History of the Church, volume 4, page 277, quote, for verily I send to you that after you have had sufficient time to build a house unto me, wherein the ordinance of baptizing for the dead belongeth, and for which the same was instituted from before the foundation of the world, your baptisms for your dead cannot be acceptable unto me, for therein are the keys of the holy priesthood ordained, that you may receive honor and glory. And after this time, your baptisms for the dead by those who are scattered abroad are not acceptable unto me, saith the Lord." For it is ordained that in Zion and in her stakes and in Jerusalem, those places which I have appointed for refuge shall be the places for your baptisms for your dead. End quote. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 4, page 277. I know there's not another page now, but um, actually, when you're speaking about that and you look at it closely, it says, and after this time, your baptisms for the dead by those who are scattered abroad are not acceptable unto me saith the Lord. So he's saying if you're scattered abroad, which means that, you know, this whole notion of every place that you are is where you should be, and and the gospel and everything is all over the whole entire earth, so that's where everybody should be. And, you know, it's more of how it is in your heart, and it's not an actual place. But this here is explaining that there's a specific place for that. it's telling you there is a place for that. There is a time and a place. And when it's not done under his time and in that place, it's not going to be accepted um, for him because that was the, it was the way it was instituted from before the foundation of the world. So it won't be acceptable unto him. And then it says right specifically, for therein are the keys of the holy priesthood ordained that you may receive honor and glory. That's why we have it. 
And after this time, your baptism for the dead by those who are scattered abroad. Why are they saying by those who are scattered abroad? That means it's not in the right place where he ordained or where he wanted it to be. Cain was his offering. He wanted to do the baptisms like he, like God wanted him to do. <laughs> this is obviously um, not exact, but it it's the same way. It's the same thing. If God's asking for people to specifically do something, he said to do what? Do the baptisms in a certain place with the authority that I have given unto you for a certain time, and that you have a certain time to build a house whereby the Most High may come and restore that which was lost among the people, right? So he says that in D&C also. And then the people say, well, we're going we're gonna to keep doing baptisms for you, but we're just going to... We're just going to be slow about when we're doing building the temple, and we're going to build other things first that we feel like are more necessary, and we're just going to sort of do what you want, but not do it all the way. And then when they're right. rejected as a yeah, like when they're rejected as a as a church, but they're dead. Yeah. Oh, you were breaking up. What'd you say? Like Masonic lodges in the second wing of Brigham Young's mansion. Yep, that's what I was thinking of, too. So um, it's the same thing. Like Cain gave an offering. He just didn't give the offering God told him to. He didn't do what God said to do. He did it in his own time in the way that he wanted it done. And it's the same thing here. So it, it says here, For it is ordained that in Zion and in her stakes and in Jerusalem, those places which I have appointed for refuge shall be the places for your baptism for your dead. So it's saying that right there, which just um, is talking the same thing. Uh, what verse or what chapter is it in uh, D and C, Mark? Whereby the most high about will section? come. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, Doctrine and Covenants section one twenty four, verses twenty seven and twenty eight, and I'll just quote it from memory. Okay. okay. Uh, build a house in my name. This is. Jesus Christ speaking to Joseph Smith. Build a house under my name whereby the Most High, the Father, can, can come dwell therein, that he, not Jesus Christ, may restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, not taken away from the church, but taken away from the world that had not yet been restored, even the fullness of the priesthood which is not the Melchizedek priesthood. It is the priesthood that you you have to have the Melchizedek priesthood by the laying on of hands from someone in authority in order to come into the presence of the Father to receive the fullness of the priesthood under his hands. Um, some people say that, that this means the Melchizedek priesthood is taken from the earth. Well, in order for the Most High to restore anything to you by the laying on of hands, you have to have the Melchizedek priesthood to come into his presence. And if you do not have that priesthood, he cannot restore anything because you have not been prepared to come into his presence. So, Jesus, I'll, I'll just quote it again without any commentary. Joseph Smith, build a house in my name whereby the Most High can come dwell therein that he may restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. That was supposed to be done in Nauvoo. They never finished the temple. 
The father never came to the temple to restore the fullness of the priesthood. The fullness of the priesthood is not the endowment. And Jesus said that that had to be restored in that temple, but the endowment was supposedly restored in the red brick store, which does not follow the revelation. So, anyway, did you have any other questions or commentary on that? No, I was just uh, saw that opening, and I was like, hmm, that sounds exactly like uh, previous um, radio shows that we've done and talked about that. It's saying it again here. And instead of being, this is just like an, another place that it was talked about, Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 4, page 277. And, yeah, um, yeah. so it was just, um, that's why I was just talking about it. I know we have a lot to read, so I'll continue reading. Well, let me um, just say one thing real quick. Okay. Jesus told them, if you do these things, um, there was like a whole bunch of stuff that he was going to give the church. He said this would be the beginning of Revelation uh, for Zion's redemption, that he would restore the times and seasons, which are the holy days of Jehovah. And there was like a whole bunch of other things that were supposed to happen. He also said that he would fight their battles for them and they would not be removed from their place. Yep. But they were removed from their place. He did not fight their battles for them. He never came to restore the fullness of the priesthood to the to the earth or to the saints at that time. Jesus said, uh, if you don't do what I say, instead of blessings, you'll receive wrath. You'll receive wrath, cursings, indignations, all these things, uh, which is what happened to the saints after Joseph was taken. They were cast out. God didn't fight their battles for them. And Jesus said, if you don't do these things, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead, which they were. Also, uh, he says, all they who hinder this work, or basically anyone who is caught dragging their feet and doing what I've asked you to do, will be cursed to the third and fourth generation. One generation with Moses in the wilderness and the Israelites following him around was 40 years. Four generations is 160 years. So the, the church and the saints would be cursed and rejected for 160 years from 1844 to 2004 is 160 years. So that's why the church doesn't get revelations anymore. That's why they've got policies that seem to contradict other things that have been said. And that's why Russell M. Nelson issued that LGBT, uh, children of LGBT uh, adults uh, who were married, they couldn't baptize their children, which I thought that one of the articles of faith is we don't believe that the sin, our sins of the fathers or mothers would be, you know, put on the on the children. They, that's not how it works. But anyway, so they did that for a couple of years, and then they were like, oh, never mind, God changed his mind. Well, they don't get revelation, and they haven't gotten revelation. And that's one of the examples uh, that you can tell that they haven't got revelation. They just do everything by, you know, the doctrines of men mingled with scripture is all it is. All right, I'm going to mute myself. Uh, by the time you, well, 
I'm probably about five minutes away from going into the void, going up the mine road, so I'll just mute myself oh, okay. and let you read. Okay, it'll be a little while. You'll have maybe like a half an hour. All right. That's okay. I will continue reading anyways. <laughs> Joseph tells us, this is going to be Charles Rich, um, Journal Discourse, Volume 19, page 250, tells, or quote, Joseph tells us that this new name is a key word which can only be obtained through the endowments. This is one of the keys and blessings that will be bestowed upon the saints in the last days for which we should be very thankful, end quote. Charles Rich, I think it's Richardson, but Charles Rich, Journal Discourse, Volume 19, page 250. Lineage of the House of Israel. Uh, this is going to be Parley P. Pratt, Key to the Science of Theology, 5th edition, page 68. Quote, this election or covenant with the House of Israel will continue forever in the great restoration of all things. This lineage will hold the keys of priesthood, salvation, and government for all nations. End quote. Parley T. Pratt, Key to the Science of Theology, 5th edition, page 68. I don't really, uh, this is only my personal belief in this. I don't really like 5th editions, anything other than original editions. So the more that it gets out and gets changed by, you know, the printers or um, the people who are, revising the for the newer editions. You never know what you're getting, you know, as the editions go out. Anyway, so that's just my own personal thing on that one quote. Fifth edition is kind of uh, not very original. Anyways, this, um, now we're going to be talking about many others. Many have received the keys of this priesthood through the ministry of the prophet Joseph, that they might assist in carrying out the plan of salvation as revealed through him. That's a uh, quote from Millennial Star, Editorial, Volume 18, page 145. And Charles Rich, Journal Discourse 19, page 252, quote, And when we understand how to use the keys and principles ourselves, we can te then teach others. For all who have received the gospel are expected to practice its principles in their lives. End quote. Journal Charles Richards, Journal Discourse, Volume 19, page 252. This uh, let's see, Discourse of Wilford Woodruff, page 327, quote, The Lord has given you, as in members of the church, the keys of the priesthood with all the blessings pertaining to it, as great and as mighty a work as ever was committed to any man on the earth. That, too, in the midst of the last dispensation and fullness of time. Discourse of Wilford Woodruff, page 327. The next quote is Carly P. Pratt, Key to Theology, page 134, quote, In the world of spirits, there are apostles, prophets, elders, and members of the church of the saints holding keys of priesthood and power to teach, comfort, instruct, and proclaim gospel for their fellow spirits after the pattern of Jesus Christ. Carly P. Pratt, Key to Theology, page 134. Certain individuals, more intelligent than others, than the others, were chosen before the foundation of the world by the head to teach, instruct, edify, improve, govern, and minister truth and salvation to others, and to hold the delegated powers or keys of these were not only chosen but set apart by a holy ordinance in the eternal worlds as ambassadors, ambassadors, foreign ministers, priests, kings, apostles, etc., to fill the various stations of the vast empire of the sovereign of all. That's also from Discourse of Wilford Woodruff, page 67. Wives in connection with husbands. He, Joseph Smith, 
spoke of delivering the keys of the priesthood to the church and said that the faithful members of the Relief Society should receive them in connection with their husbands, that the saints whose integrity has been tried and, and proved faithful might know how to ask the Lord and receive an answer. That's Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 4, page 604. See also Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 226. Now, what is it that all these people have in common? They are all entitled to appropriate keys depending on their individual authority and callings. Since there are many callings in life, so there must be a variety of keys to accompany them. As John Taylor explained, um, it says 87 pages, page 132 through 133. There are different callings and offices and stations and authorities in the holy priesthood, but it is all the same priesthood, and there are different keys and powers and responsibilities, but it is the same government. 87 pages 132 through 133. So when someone talks about the keys of the priesthood, it is important to know which keys he is referring to, because although there is only one priesthood, there are many callings and keys belonging to it. Any man with the priesthood should exercise some keys of that priesthood. If he does not use his keys, the heavens, and receive some form of revelation, then maybe he ought to be concerned about why the heavens have withdrawn themselves and if the spirit of the Lord has been grieved. See D&C 121, verse 37. As man is ordained to the various priesthood offices of elder, 70, high priest, or even apostle, president, or patriarch, there is no new or additional priesthood authority conferred upon him. Even when ordained a king and a priest in the second anointing, he is still receiving another office within the Melchizedek priesthood. The prophet Joseph explained... In Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 166 through 67, quote, There are two priesthoods spoken of in the scriptures, viz. the Melchizedek and the Aaronic, or Levitical. Although there are two priesthoods, yet the Melchizedek priesthood comprehends the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood, and is the grand head and holds the highest authority which pertains to the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom of God in all ages of the world to the latest posterity on the earth and is the channel through which all knowledge, doctrine, the plan of salvation, and every important matter is revealed from heaven. Its institution was prior to the foundation of this earth, or the morning stars sang together, or the sons of God shouted for joy, and is the highest and holy priesthood, and is after the order of the Son of God, and all other priesthoods are only parts, ramifications, powers, and blessings belonging to the same, and are held, controlled, and directed by it. It is the channel through which the Almighty commenced revealing his glory at the beginning of the creation of this earth, and through which he has continued to reveal himself to the children of men to the present time, and through which he will make known his purposes to the end of time. End quote. Again, that's teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 166 through 167. We're now on page 52 for those of you following along. Here the Prophet gives an unmistakably clear explanation of the highest powers and keys of the Melchizedek Priesthood. If we numerically list his statements, we get an even better understanding of the supreme position of the Melchizedek Priesthood over all other priesthoods and offices. Number one, the Melchizedek Priesthood is the grand head. It holds the highest authority which pertains to the priesthood. Number, uh, that was number two, sorry. It holds the highest authority which pertains to the priesthood. Number three, it contains the keys of the kingdom of God. Number four, it is the channel through which all knowledge, doctrine, and the plan of salvation and every important matter is revealed from heaven. Number five, 
It is the highest and holiest priesthood. Number six, it is after the order of the Son of God. Number seven, all other priesthoods are only parts, ramifications, powers, and blessings belonging to the Melchizedek priesthood. Number eight, all other priesthoods are held, controlled, and directed by the Melchizedek priesthood. Number nine, it is the channel through which the Almighty reveals his will and glory. Number ten, it is the priesthood through which the Almighty reveals himself to men. Number eleven, it is the channel through which he will make known his purposes to the end of time. Because of these definite and unequivocal statements, we can see that there is no greater priesthood powers and keys on this earth than those of the Melchizedek priesthood. Hopefully, the information in this section on who has the keys of priesthood has eliminated some confusion on the subject and does and has answered such questions as, number one, do only the leaders of the LDS church hold the keys of the priesthood? Number two, can more than one man hold the keys, hold priesthood keys? Number three, who is the one man on the earth at a time who holds all the keys of the priesthood? The question of who has the keys of the priesthood should be immediately followed by what priesthood keys does he have? And the next logical question each individual should be concerned are, what keys do I have and am I exercising them fully? Number two, what are the rights to priesthood keys? Priesthood authority does not come through lineage, bloodline, worthiness, predestination, or foreordination. Men are not born with it. It is received by a conferral from one man to another. There are rights pertaining to the priesthood, but they do not automatically give a man authority priesthood rights belonging to the lineage of Abraham, as was revealed to Joseph Smith in 1832. Quote, this is from D&C, chapter 86, verses 8 through 10. Therefore, thus saith the Lord unto you, with whom the priesthood hath continued, through the lineage of your fathers, for ye are lawful heirs according to the flesh, and have been hid from the world with Christ in God. Therefore, your life in the priesthood have remained and must needs remain through you and your lineage until the restoration of all things. End quote. Uh, DNC 86, verse 8 through 10. The line of the holy priesthood from Moses back to Adam was given in section 84, showing the importance of actual priesthood conferral by the laying on of hands even though the individuals already had the right to receive it. And if you go into Section 84, it spends a lot of time telling you about it, so you know it has to be important when everything's consolidated and they still keep that in there. Um, anyways, page 54. This is DNC 84, 6 through 17. And the sons of Moses, according to the holy priesthood, which he received under the hand of his father Jethro, and Jethro received it under the hand of Caleb, and Caleb received it under the hand of Elu, um, Elihu, Elihu, sorry, and Elihu under the hand of Jeremy, and Jeremy under the hand of Gad, and Gad under the hand of Isaiah, and Isaiah received it under the hand of God. Isaiah also lived in the days of Abraham and was blessed of him, which Abraham received the priesthood from Melchizedek, who received it through the lineage of his fathers, even till Noah, and from Noah till Enoch, through the lineage of their fathers, and from Enoch to Abel, who was slain by the conspiracy of his brother, who received the priesthood by the commandments of God, by the hand of his father, Adam, who was the first man which priesthood continueth in the church of God in all generations and is without beginning of days or end of years, end quote. Again, that's D&C 84, verses 6 through 17. 
A chosen family lineage possesses the right to the priesthood. Men in that lineage are not born with priesthood, but only with the right to have it. Abraham received it under the hands of Melchizedek and said in Abraham uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, quote, I sought for the blessings of the fathers and the right whereunto I should be ordained to administer the same. I became a rightful heir, a high priest, holding the right belong, belonging to the fathers. It was conferred upon me from the fathers. It came down from the fathers from the beginning of time, before the foundations of the earth, end quote. Abraham, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. The fact that the priesthood is given from one man to another is related by the prophet Joseph. In Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 322 to 323, quote, Abraham says to Melchizedek, I believe all that thou hast taught me concerning the priesthood and the coming of the Son of Man. So Melchizedek ordained Abraham and sent him away. Abraham rejoiced, saying, Now I have a priesthood. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 322 through 323. If anyone could have been born with the priesthood, it would have been Joseph Smith. But it was necessary for John the Baptist to come and confer priesthood of Aaron upon Joseph and Oliver. This next quote comes from Pearl of Great Price, Joseph Smith, chapter 2, or volume 2, page, hold on, chapter 2, verse 72. Sorry. Quote, the messenger who visited us on this occasion and conferred this priesthood upon us said that his name was John, the same that is called John the Baptist in the New Testament, and that he acted under the direction of Peter, James, and John, who held the keys of the priesthood of Melchizedek, which priesthoods, he said, would in due time be conferred on us. End quote. Pearl of Great Price, Joseph Smith, chapter 2, verse 72. There are different rights that pertain to one's priesthood authority and calling. For example, only a literal descendant of Aaron has the legal right to hold the office of bishop. And this next quote comes from Doctrine and Covenants 107, verse 15 through 17, quote, The bishopric is the presidency of the priesthood and holds the keys or authority of the same. No man has a legal right to this office to hold keys of the priesthood except he be a literal descendant of Aaron. But as a high priest of the Melchizedek priesthood to officiate in all lesser offices, he may officiate in the office of bishop when no literal descendant of Aaron can be found, provided he is called and set apart and ordained unto this power by the hands of the presidency of the Melchizedek priesthood. End quote. D- uh, DNC 107, verse 15 through 17. The rights of the higher priesthood are greater than the rights of the church because they include the right and power to preside over all the church offices in all ages. DNC 107, verse 8 says, Quote, the Melchizedek priesthood holds the right of presidency and has power and authority over all the offices of the church and all the ages of the world to administer in spiritual things. End quote. DNC 107, verse 8. In other words, the church does not control the higher priesthood, but the priesthood should control the church of men who hold the priesthood may be used in church possessions if they are asked. But if the church does not want the power, rights, and authority of the priesthood, they can choose whomever they want in those offices, which they do. This next quote comes from Joseph F. Smith, Messenger of the First President, Messages of the First Presidency, Clark, Volume 4, page 43, quote, The leading fact to be remembered is that the priesthood is greater than any of its offices, and that any man holding the Melchizedek priesthood may be, by virtue of its possession, perform any ordinance pertaining thereto or connected therewith. End quote. Joseph F. Smith, Message of the First Presidency, Clark, Volume 4, page 43. 
this next quote comes from J. Reuben Clark, journal or Joseph J. Reuben Clark Jr. Empirical Error, Volume 39, page 134, March 1936. Quote: Another important point to remember is that the priesthood is essential to the church, but the church is not essential to the priesthood. End quote. That's a really good quote. J. Reuben Clark Jr. Empirical Error, 39, verse or one or page 134, March 1936. Throughout history, people have failed to accept and exercise their rights to the priesthood. They have seldom chosen to have God rule over them as they want their own will rather than his. This was a dilemma in the early stages of the church, and it has been a problem ever since. After the death of the prophet Joseph, Brigham Young said in Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 7, page 235, does this church want it as God organized it, or do you want to clip the power of the priesthood and let those who hold the keys of the priesthood go and build up the kingdom in all the world, wherever the people will hear them, end quote. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 7, page 235. As descendants of Abraham through Joseph and Ephraim, we have legitimate have the legitimate right to hold the priesthood and receive it by conferral from one with the authority. We're now on page 57 and getting into the third question, number three. How does one use and abuse priesthood keys? It's a great question. The holy priesthood has been neglected, misunderstood, mistreated, opposed, misconferred, and misrepresented. In short, it has been abused more than used. True quote. Both lay members and leaders alike are guilty, not just in our dispensation, but every dispensation has suffered the same fate. Right. We have yet to bring about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven and the other things prophesied um, in scripture, in Dead Sea Scrolls, and all by the previous prophets. Uh, This comes from Teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith, page 297. Quote, power, like money, can quickly change the character of a man and cause him to be very self-righteous. According to Joseph Smith, now in this world, mankind are naturally selfish, ambitious, and striving to excel one above another. End quote. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 297. That is true of all men and women. They always want power. They want to have authority over somebody. They don't want other people to have authority over them. And when they are told to do something or asked to do something, they want to do it the way they want it done. And, yeah, that's the way that men are. Brigham Young also commented, and this quote comes from Journal of Discourse, Volume hey. 1, page hey. 118 through 119. Sorry. It's fine. Did you want to say something? Um, yeah, uh, just while I'm in a place where I can talk. Um, okay. You know, these people that change things, they they think they're doing God a service by making it better, as if they are, like, more intelligent than God. You know, and it's like, when they change the it endowments... It makes it confusing. Well, when they change the endowments, I get people saying, well, all of the most important parts are there, so it doesn't matter. Well, I just want to ask, who... Do they think they are? If God gave us things a certain way, why do they think that they are smarter than God? This is the Antichrist spirit in Second Thessalonians, 
when they, a man who is sitting in the temple of God is appointing himself above the throne of God, like they're higher than God, they think, because they can change everything. You know, that's antichrist. We as mortal people on the earth, we do not have the authority or the ability to make or improve upon God at all. Even if we were gods, we wouldn't have the ability to to improve upon what God does. Lucifer thought that he could do that, and look where he ended up. Anyway, I'm about to go in the void again, so I'll mute myself. Sorry, I was talking. I forgot that I muted my mic. Okay. That was crazy. Um, Okay, let's keep continuing on with this next quote. Thanks for um, saying something while you were in service. (laughs) I feel like I endlessly just talk and talk and talk, and then I'm like, "Uh, is anybody out there? (laughs) So it's nice to have more people on the show. I understand why you like that that way too, Mark. Um, This next quote is from Journal of Discourse, Volume 1, page 118 through 119. Quote, brethren, what is it that you love the truth for? That's a good question. Is it because it gives you the power, the authority of the priesthood? Is it because it makes you rulers, kings, and priests unto our God and gives you great power? There are men professing to be saints, even in this congregation, within the sound of my voice, who feel how almighty they have become. They will curse you if you do not see proper to comply with their wishes. Many men have feelings in their hearts towards their wives that if they will not do precisely as they wish to perform this or that, they will curse them. What wonderful things they are going to do. If you do not obey my voice, my counsel, I will send you to hell and turn the keys upon you that you may never, no never, be released. Sisters, you might as well heed the crackling of thorns under the pot the passing idle bird, or the croaking of a crane, so far as their priesthood is concerned. End quote. Journal Discourse, Volume 1, page 118 through 119. It is, and now we're on page 58. It is the tendency of most men that when they obtain a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. That's Doctrine and Covenants, page, or chapter 121, verse 39. They put themselves up as a light to the world, that they may get gain and praise of the world. Second Nephi, chapter 26, verse 29. Their doctrine is that others should follow them because they cannot lead anyone astray, according to President Gordon B. Hinckley. So this is going off on another tangent. I'm sorry, I know we have a lot to read, but some things keep telling me to, to just talk about this a little bit while I'm reading all of these things. So, um, and uh, I know a lot of times nobody likes to hear... Um, you know, how if their husband or wife is saying something contrary or saying something about um, what their faults are. But I'm going to tell you right now, I have a lot of faults. I uh, have ADD, and it's uh, really prominent when I have sugar, (laughs) and I have a hard time focusing. Um, I also am a super busy person. I I work, and then I do five kids, and we do a farm and stuff. So if you heard the other um, radio shows on this, I come and go through this radio show a lot, and my husband He's like a solid, so he's always like, I have to do this. God wants me to do this, and and he knows that God has called him to do this, and despite him not wanting to, he is like, no, I have been warned, so I have to warn others, so he tries to do that. 
Um, with that being said, he, um, there's times uh, during our last nine years of marriage where it frustrates him because he's like, I have to do this and I want to do stuff with you and I want, I don't want to have to do this, but could you help me do this? And, and he knows that my feeling on the matter is I have not been called to preach to the world as you have. And that's kind of like my, <laughs> my, that's my, uh, but I didn't, it's not exactly what you want me to do because I haven't been called to do that. However, I know that I am his helpmate, and I was um, told to marry him, bear him children, and to ease his burden. Um, and I know that part of the burden of, you know, being a prophet and um, having revelation is that he is tired. He feels like he's the only one going against the whole world, uh, just trying to not even have people follow him and not have people, you know, do things for him. He's trying to help save everybody. He's like, uh, no, this is what I was told, and this is what should be happening. And so he's trying to um, warn people and uh, share his witness with people so that they understand what his witness is, because he doesn't want to be, in the last days, um, the one who did not fulfill his calling and do what he was supposed to do. So he does that. With that being said, and on this same um, this same topic of man holding authority, he has been given a lot of authority. Um but, and this is just a character witness of him is how this was supposed to start off as, but I guess I ramble because I have ADD. Um, but so the way that he is and the way that he has been from the beginning of the time that I've known him, um, he could be like most men and be upset and say, you know, I have these keys in this authority and you should do what I say that you should do. Because he could very well, I mean, I was a very abused woman the beginning half of my life. And I am very obedient because I don't like to get hurt, right? So I'm an obedient person, and I just do what I'm told to do. Um, when he married me, that's exactly how I was. Um, and he has helped me to open up and to um, do what I feel like God is telling me to do. He wants me to follow the Spirit and pray about it and do what I, uh, what God is telling me to do. He is not um, one of the people who gets authority and then it's like you have to do exactly what I say to do because I said so and you should believe me and you need to follow me because I'm right and I should have the power um that could not be further from the truth he isn't um a power hungry person he doesn't try to be in charge of anything he's always the one who wants to like lay back and just teach he likes to teach people um things um so it's kind of interesting because um I do understand this reference completely, 100%. Most of the people, 99% of the ones that I know, when they get a little bit of authority, they try to control everyone. But I'm just saying, um, with my husband, I've noticed that he um, doesn't try to control. He tries to um, teach and guide, like uh, specifically with me, he tries to guide me to follow what God tells me to do. So especially when um, I'm curious and I'm like, well, what do you need me to do? What do you want me to do? What what should I do with this? Because a lot of times, believe me, I know, it's easier just to listen to somebody else. Just do whatever that person says to do and just follow them and they'll get you into heaven. But that's not how it works. You have to have your own personal relationship with God. And that's what should be happening. So I can just say that I appreciate the man that I married because I know that he isn't in – he isn't his one goal in life is not to be in charge of anyone or anything it is just to bring about the kingdom of god on earth as it is in heaven and follow god and teach others to follow god and uh be one with god so i know that was a huge tangent <laughs> and he's probably driving up on the mountain so he won't hear that tangent until later <laughs> and then he'll be like okay <laughs> well, i heard it oh you did <laughs> i was like 
he's probably going to be like, wow, that was a huge tangent. But I was just reading all this, and that's how most men are. I'm just saying that you're not, in my experience. I'm actually going 18 miles an hour climbing Barrel Hill on Highway 6. You speed demon. <laughs> you must be loving. I, I, I'm going 20 now. <laughs> yes, I'm, uh, <coughs> I am loaded. Um, you know, one of the things I hate is when people come to me and want me to be a fortune teller for them. Um, prophets can prophesy of things that they're shown in the future. They can also speculate on things that they think about, and people take that for the say of the Lord when it's just a man speculating. Joseph did this a lot, and he said, uh, when I speak as a man, I'm speaking as a man. When I speak as a prophet, I speak as a prophet. And what he meant, meant that by that was, you know, if God showed him something and he was revealing what God showed him, then he's not speaking as a man. If God reveals a thus saith the Lord revelation to him or to me, and I give that, as uh, the oracle of God, then um, I'm speaking as a prophet. But when I speak in speculative terms, you know, that's just me as a mortal man trying to figure everything out. I don't know everything. I know a lot. And the only reason I know a lot is because I study like that, because I wanted to be the best servant of God that I could be. And, you know, so I... I've studied my last, I don't know, last 20 some years. I've just been studying like mad. That's why I know things, but I know I don't know everything. And I think that the reason why God asked me to uh, not only to start the Church of the Living Messiah uh, and the School of the Prophets, but part of the School of the Prophets is to come together with other like-minded individuals and work things out because. Even though God has given me this powerful witness and told me, you know, certain things, like, I don't know everything. We all come together as a Zion community and lift each other up, and we can all, you know, bring different perspectives to the table. That's why I do the radio show like I do. That's why I have a guest call-in number. But uh, as far as, like, unrighteous dominion and all of that, there are some revelations that I have been given, and I do not like them, even though um, I know that they're from God. And the only reason I don't like them is because it sounds arrogant when I tell people, yeah, the priesthood has been severed, all of the ordinances have been severed, and you need to be rebaptized by me because I'm the one that is the gatekeeper at this time. Um, you know, and that just sounds arrogant. And then, like, I don't know, there's some other revelations that I've been given, and I just, like, I have them, and I've shared them a little bit, but I don't like them, because I don't want to control anyone. I want Zion to be part, like, and in the Zion community, no man will have to say, do you know the Lord? We will all know him. We'll all be prophets. That's what I want people to do. For many years before I knew who I was, after my, uh, my experience with the Father and the Son upon Mount Vashel, 
where I saw them face-to-face, I, all I wanted was people to come upon the mountain, like Moses wanted the congregation to come upon the mountain. And part of being a prophet is teaching people how to get revelation for themselves. And as they exercise their ability to get revelation, God reveals more and more. It's like going to the gym. You go to the gym to work out muscles so that you can get stronger. Well, with revelation, you have to work it out. And the more that you work it out, the more God will trust you and give you more experiences with him and with learning. And by doing these things, you come upon the mountain. And that's what I want people to do. I want them to come upon the mountain, to know God for themselves, to be part of a community of believers that are being obedient to God's commandments. So the other thing, too, real quick. Um, so one of the reasons why Moroni um, told jo- Joseph Smith when he first appeared to him that the man like unto Christ of Acts chapter 2, uh, I can't remember, maybe it's chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. Uh, it's in Joseph Smith's history. Anyway, um, he, Moroni said that man was Christ, but the day had not yet come when he would be rejected by his people. So we know that that's not Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ had been rejected by his people. The man likened to Moses is the Davidic servant that comes among his people. And in Isaiah chapter 49, Isaiah sees the servant working his tail off and nobody listening to him. Everybody rejects the servant. And the reason they reject the servant when he comes to set the house of God in order is because they'll say to themselves, well, we are wise and the way that we do things is the way it should be done. But the scripture says in Third Nephi that nevertheless, well, it says uh, many, many fall away because of the doctrines of men, whatever, uh, except for the humble followers of Christ, and they're few. Nevertheless, they are led in many instances where they err, err in doctrine because of the precepts of men. So this is everyone. So if you're part of everyone and you are one of the humble followers of Christ, then you need to understand that not everything that you believe is correct. And that you, uh, as part of being set in order, um, have to be able to be humble enough to realize that maybe you don't see everything the way it should be. Maybe you have been taught by the doctrines of men mingled with Scripture. You know, part of my job as one mighty and strong is to teach they who have been weaned from the mouth and drawn from the breast. And these people who claim to be uh, have a broken heart and a contrite spirit and that they are the humble followers of Christ, well, if they were really humble and had a broken heart and a contrite spirit, they would realize that maybe they don't have everything right and maybe it's okay to listen because you know what even if I was a Judas goat you have the ability to go and find out if what I'm saying is true you can get revelation for yourself no true prophet and we should all be true prophets should ever fear a Judas goat if we are going to God and getting revelation for ourselves with confirmation of the Holy Spirit so I don't know I I'm going to mute myself again and let you continue. Uh, what page are you on? 
Oh, yeah, I had not been doing very good because when you were off the, the, um, the, you know, radio show for a minute off the air, then I haven't been doing really good at saying the pages that I am on. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, okay. so just remember people are reading along, whether they're reading along now or they read along later, like our friend David. Um, yeah. So uh, I am announcing page the page 58. number helps. Yeah. yeah. So we've got. Um, but six, I'm just started it almost. Yeah. Okay, I'll mute myself. Go ahead. But I do get a little bit off topic, and then I'm like, uh, I probably could have already finished reading it. It's fine. David always tells me, I like it when you go off topic because you start answering questions that I've been asking that aren't in the book. And so it's okay to go off topic. Just let the spirit lead you. Uh, whenever you have something to say, even if you think it's your ADD, just go ahead. I did think that was my ADD, but I had, it was like two paragraphs of it. And the first one, I was like, no, that's okay. It only talks about it a little bit. And then the second one was talking about the same thing. And then I was like, okay, fine. I will just say it really quickly. (laughs) Yeah. And and Satan will accuse you. (laughs) Satan will accuse you and say, oh, you've got ADD. You shouldn't talk about those things. No. Yeah. You should. If you're being accused by the devil, that means you're on the right path because if you weren't a threat to him, he wouldn't be accusing you. So anyway, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mute myself. Love you. Okay. Love you too. I'm going to continue on. So it was right here at a quote from Gordon B. Hinckley. I will just read this part again. Their doctrine is that others should follow them because they cannot lead anyone astray. Uh, that's according to the president, Gordon B. Hinckley, and signed to the nation November 19th. 93, page 54, I solemnly testify that the Lord Jesus Christ, whose church is it is and whose name it bears, will never let any man or group of men lead it astray. <laughs> Again, that's Ensign to the Nations. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, that's just Ensign, November 1993, page 54. The people who believe this have already been led astray and are believing in incorrect principles. We should follow no mortal person, only their good examples and any true doctrines they teach. The saints today are advised to totally trust their leaders, but the prophet Joseph said, the people should each one stand for himself and depend on no man, because righteous persons could only deliver their own souls. Teaches of the teaching, sorry, of the prophet Joseph Smith, pages 237 to 38. There are three important test questions that every Latter-day Saint should answer for himself. Number one, has Christ Church ever gone astray in the past? Hmm, does it contradict, this is part of that question. When I think about that, I think, does it contradict former revelation? Hmm, so that would be yes. Number two, has the Mormon Church changed or rejected laws of the priest? Number three, can a man or men change or reject the laws of priesthood and still hold the keys of priesthood? Hmm. Not if they're fallen because, no, that's not how it works. If you answered any other than yes to the first two questions and no to the third, you failed the test. With this great power of the priesthood, one can bless or curse. It can make gods or devils, like any power. It can be used for good or evil. Atomic power can provide lights for a whole city, or it can destroy that city. Since priesthood is the greatest power in the universe, 
its abuse or misuse can result in the greatest consequences. We're on page 59 now. In what ways can we sin against these priesthood laws and powers? Number one, by changing the laws of God. Number two, by incorporating the laws of man. And number three, by totally rejecting the laws of God. History has proved that usually all three occur in that order within a short period of time. When you break man's laws, you become a criminal. If we do the same with God's God's laws, wouldn't it be worse than being a criminal? If we obey the laws of the land, which are contrary to the laws of God, we have established a different God. The laws of the land are supposed to agree with the laws of God, not the other way around. Man's laws are fickle and forever changing with nearly every session of Congress and legislators. Every man, or even man's decisions of the Supreme Court, have been overturned or reversed. Does God operate that way? Can eternal laws be reversed or overturned? Can the laws of God continually change so that one day we are saints by them and the next day sinners? The idea that a living prophet can contradict, reject, and overturn the teachings and revelations of the dead prophets is foolish in the extreme. Does a man's exaltation depend on contradictory laws, principles, and and ordinances? Such an idea is inconsistent with God's unchangeable gospel. Page 60. According to Joseph Smith, the order of the house of God has been and ever will be the same. That comes from teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 91. He set the ordinances to be the same forever and ever. Page 168. That must also be from teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. Page 168. The gospel has always been the same. The ordinances to fulfill its requirements the same. And the officers to officiate the same. That's also teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. Page 264. And this is going to be teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. Page 308. Ordinances in the priesthood for the salvation of men are not to be altered or changed. All must be saved on the same principles. Imagine living in a world, this is just me, imagine living in a world where you don't ever know what the rules are. They're always changing. Um, Actually, that's what happens with us, right? So the rules have not always been the same. They have changed. When somebody does something that man finds out, okay, that should have been in the laws. Why isn't that in the laws? And then the men, you know, we learn as a people that that's not okay and it shouldn't be done, and then we make a law about it. And that's how it has been since the beginning of, you know, the governments. And when governments start, they make new rules. They make uh, proclamations and different things for them, um, for all the laws, for the people. And that's the way it is. But um, if we are perceiving God as an all-knowing being, he wouldn't do that because all of his laws are eternal and they're never changing because this isn't a dry run. It's not the first time that he's done things. Um, We have to follow the laws of the universe. There is a certain uh, unchangeable laws um, that are forever in place, which makes it easier to trust and understand and follow a God um, as opposed to man who is forever changing. Anyways, continuing with the reading. Can a living prophet oh, ignore and change? Oh, sorry. Didn't know you were there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, so, like, take, for instance, all that we've been instructed in the Doctrine and Covenants. I harp on United Orders because, I mean, there's 16 million members of the church, billions of dollars in the bank, no excuse not to have United Orders. We all covenant to live the law of consecration, but we don't live it. The law of consecration is the foundation of the United Order. Um, And in fact, the devil in the endowment before it was changed as a teaching principle 
uh, in the endowment says, all they who do not live up to every covenant they've made this day will be in my power. Now, we don't. We don't live up to the covenants that we have been given. With gathering, consecration, united orders, many, many other things, we don't live up to them. And we change the laws uh, by saying, oh, that's not necessary anymore. We don't have to worry. We just uses so that we don't have to do what we've been told to do. And by doing this, we are like in iniquity because uh, God laid out a way for us to go and he expects us to follow it. And if we're not following it, we're full of iniquity. That's what the definition in Hebrew means. So, um, in uh, the inspired translation of Genesis chapter 9, it says, When a people live all that I have commanded, they shall build Zion below, and they shall look up, and Zion will come down out of heaven, and the church of the firstborn will come down out of heaven. And, and like, that's what needs to happen. People have to live what God has commanded. Stop making excuses that, oh, that was for them, not for us. No, it's for you as much as it was for them. Just because they failed doesn't give you a path not to try. So, anyway, I'm going through Wellington Cut, so I'll mute myself. Okay. Continuing with the reading, can a living prophet ignore and change all of that? If someone claiming to be a prophet tried to change the laws of the priesthood, what kind of prophet would he be? Men can lose the keys of the priesthood much easier and quicker than they qualified to obtain them. If you follow the doctrines of the priesthood, you can magnify your priesthood power, privileges, and blessings. If you change or oppose those doctrines, you lose your priesthood power. In 1873, Brigham Young explained how this happened to the Church of Christ after the Savior left. Let's see, this is a super long quote. Oh, there we go. Journal of Discourse, Volume 16, page 186, quote, The priesthood has left the people. But in the first place, the people left the priesthood. They transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, and broke the everlasting covenant. And the priesthood left them, but not until they had left the priesthood. Journal of Discourse, Volume 16, page 186. And what is most amazing is that they never realized it. The Catholic Church, Church still claims to hold the keys of the kingdom that were given to Peter. And they have been making changes in their doctrines for nearly 2,000 years. In 1907, an editorial in Liahona entitled Fallen Prophets was written as a warning against the many claimants of keys and authority that were springing up. The information still applies today. The author said that in every in instance, sorry, this is going to be from Liahona, the Elder's Journal, Volume 5, page 91 through 92, quote, not a single individual ever made an utterance or accomplished an achievement from the day he first sought to gratify his ambition to that which he breathed his last breath that marked him as a true prophet. Take each man whose name could properly be mentioned in this connection and study his biography from the time when he first began to plan for the gratification of his aspirations to the end of his life. And what did he ever say or do that was worth remembering? What proof did he ever give that the Lord had called him? Prophets are known by their works and the fulfillment of their predictions. What works were, were ever performed by any one of these men by which he may be known as a prophet? What prophecy did one of them ever utter 
in the name of the Lord that was later fulfilled or is ever likely to be. Again, no true prophet who was ever called to hold the keys of a dispensation and to preside over the church of God ever ever deigned to engage in a controversy with a rival upon the subject of his right leadership. To present himself before the people with his message from the Lord and to invite all who choose to do so. To sustain and follow him has been the curse, the course, taken by every divinely authorized presiding prophet since the world began. Wrangling over such a question as the right to lead the people of God is nearly always a distinguishing characteristic of a false or fallen prophet, never of a true one. Leah Hona, The Elder's Journal, Volume 5, page 91 through 92. All those who say there can be a difference between gospel teachings of the dead and living prophets are only excusing themselves for selecting more convenient or popular gospels. Most LDS members feel that since the church is prospering in wealth, is popular with the world, and is very rapidly increasing in membership, that it must be sanctioned by the Lord. But listen to the Apostle Orson Pratt in Orson Pratt's works, page 4. Quote, we're on page 62 now. The form without the power and authority is no better than the hundreds of humans' forms that have no resemblance to the ancient pattern. Indeed, it is more dangerous because it is better calculated to deceive. End quote. Orson Pratt's works, page 4. Cursings to follow abuse. And let me see really quickly. Okay. I'm just looking at where we are and where chapter 5 is. Okay, let's continue on on page 62. Cursings to follow abuse. Because of the nature of priesthood, it becomes a two-edged sword, a great blessing or a great cursing. For Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, quote, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. End quote. Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. The devil's power over a man is usually in proportion to the sins he commits against the knowledge and authority he has. For example, Sidney Rigdon claimed the revelation while he was in Kirkland, which caused considerable trouble. He was asked for his license, but refused. Orson Hyde related the episode in Times and Seasons, volume 5, verse 600, or page 650. Quote, when we demand his license, when we demanded his license, he said, I did not receive it from you, neither shall I give it up to you. He then threatened to turn traitor. His own language was inasmuch that you have demanded my license, I shall feel it my duty to publish all your secret meetings and all your history of the secret works of this church in public journals. He intimated that it would bring a mob upon us, says he. I know what effect it will have. There is a rod and a scourge awaits this people, says I, Elder Rigdon. If you want the honor of bringing distress upon this people, you may have it. You may have the honor of it here, and you may have the honor of it in eternity. And every effort you make to bring distress upon this people will recoil back upon your own head. Times and Seasons, Volume 5, page 650. We're now on page 63. From this we can see how dark Sidney had become, his stubbornness and arrogance, and how devilish his intentions, that they were to have grave consequences. When Joseph Smith returned to Kirtland, he explained to Sidney why he should give up all claims to authority because of his transgressions. 
And this is an extremely long quote from Times and Seasons, uh, Volume 5, page 660 and 661. Quote, Sydney's first revelation in Kirkland was telling the people that the kingdom was rent from them, and they might as well all go home, for they were rejected. The saints felt very bad and were almost distracted when Brother Joseph came home, who was absent at the time. He called Sydney into council and there told him he had lied in the name of the Lord, and says he, you had better give up your license and divest yourself of, and divest yourself of all the authority you can, for you will go into the hands of Satan, and he will handle you as one man handleth another. And the less authority you have, the better for you. Gave up two licenses to Brother Whitney, who has got them at this day. And according to his own testimony, he was handled by Satan, just as the brother, as the brother Joseph said, and weltered in the most extreme agony for about two or three months. And then Brother Joseph, seeing that he had repented, said that he had suffered enough and restored him again. He made a tremendous blunder at the first revelation, but we would hardly suppose that a man who has been in the church so long as Sidney has would make such a monstrous blunder as he has made this time. The object of Sidney Rigdon's revelation was to divide the church and scatter it. Brother Joseph has said at different times that if Elder Rigdon was to lead the church 12 or the church 12 months, he would lead them to the devil. When he attempted to lead the people in Kirtland, it was to lead them to the devil. And when he made the attempt this time, it was for the same purpose. End quote, Times and Seasons, Volume 5, page 660 to 661. Now we're on page 64. Wilford Woodruff also commented on what happens when someone abuses his priesthood. This comes from Journal of Discourse, Volume 21, page 190 through 191. Quote, he, meaning God, gave Joseph to understand that he held the priesthood with priesthood, which priesthood was after the order of God, after the order of Melchizedek, the same priesthood by which God himself performed all his works in the heavens and in the earth. And any man who bore that priesthood had the same power. The priesthood had communion or communication, excuse me, with the heavens, power to move the heavens, power to perform the work of the heavens. And wherever any man magnified that calling, God gave his angels charging or charge concerning him and his ministrations were of the power and force both in this world and the world to come. That man used that priesthood for any other purpose than the building up of the kingdom of God, for which purpose it was given, and the heavens withdraw themselves, the power of the priesthood departs, and he is left to walk in darkness and not in light. And this is the key to apostasy of all men, whether in this generation or any other. End quote. Journal of Discourse, Volume 21, page 190 through 191. It has been said that some of the spirits in the pre-mortal life asked not to have the priesthood while they were on the earth. They understood that the powerful forces of evil that would continually be arrayed against them, the constant barrage of temptations and the terrible persecutions that would come upon them. But most of all, they saw the terrible consequences for any misuse of the priesthood. Most of the people who never hear about the gospel and the priesthood may be part of those who choose not to receive that authority in this life. When we consider how few people in mortality ever have an opportunity to receive priesthood and how few of those actually do receive it and use it correctly, there must have been reasons for this. We know more men will be condemned by the misuse of it than blessed for its proper use. 
Many men in the church who supposedly have the priesthood seldom use it and rarely even show up for their priesthood meetings. Brigham Young realized this in his day and commented in Journal of Discourse, Volume 3, page 226, um, quote, I wish my sermons to be like the reigning of pitchforks, point foremost, until you awake out of your sleep and find out whether you are saints or not. We have a great many gars, sharks, sheepheads, lamper eels, and every other kind of fish that is to be found in the pond. The gospel net has gathered them up. May you expect from such a mess. You may expect the best and worst of all God's creation mingled here together. The foolish will turn from correct principles, go over to the wicked, and cease to be righteous so that they can go to hell with the fools. I wish to have every man who rises to speak from this stand from this stand, lay aside the smooth tongue and velvet lips, and let his words be like melted lead, that they may sink into the hearts of the people. End quote. Journal of Discourse, Volume 3, page 226. Many people who, will, who win millions of dollars in lotteries later bear testimony that it was the worst thing that ever happened to them because they lose family, friends, and end up doing things that they will always regret. Sudden great wealth in the hands of weak men can be the means of destroying them. How much worse for those who receive the priesthood and then misuse or abuse it? This next quote comes from um, the October 13, 1882, Revelation to John Taylor, Message of the First Presidency, James R. Clark, Volume 2, page 348 to 349. Quote, For my priesthood, whom I have called, and whom I have sustained and honored shall honor me and obey my laws and the laws of my holy priesthood, or they shall not be considered worthy to hold my priesthood, saith the Lord. End quote. From October 13th, 1882, Revelation to John Taylor, Message of the First Presidency, James R. Clark, Volume 2, page 348 to 49. And now we're on page 66, if you have anything that you wanted to say. I'm actually pulling up on the Grizz right now, so I don't really have anything to say at this current time. Okay. Um, we're coming up to almost the end of this reading, um, but I still will do the, um, you know, the beginning reading of from next chapter. But I just uh, wanted to give you one last chance to talk before I did that. So um, continuing on, um, Brigham Young said, when a man, man's mind is enlightened and he turns from the light to the darkness, it prepares him to be a devil. Journal of Discourse, Volume 1, page 134. Thus, the priesthood and its ordinances are vehicles that can make devils as well as gods. This next quote, Journal of Discourse, Volume 4, page 372, quote, Giving endowments to a great many proves their overthrow through revealing things to them which they cannot keep. They are not worthy to receive them. Brother Heber takes the lead in giving endowments, and you may ask, why do you give such folks their endowments? To qualify them to be devils if they wish to be. They plan of, the plan of salvation is calculated to make devils as well as saints. For by and by, we shall need some to serve as devils, and it takes almost as much knowledge to make a complete devil as it does to fit a man to go into the celestial kingdom of God and become an heir to his kingdom. We want to complete the education of a number of such fellows. They are running to the states, to California, and elsewhere, and are trying to reveal this, that, and the other. But I defy anyone of them to give 
any idea of what it has taught them in their endowments except a garble of masked trash. God takes that knowledge from their minds, preparing them. Journal Discourse, Volume 4, page 372. Jesus said he had the keys of heaven and hell, and they are incorporated in the powers of holy priesthood. When foolish saints abuse such a great power and blessing, it becomes a terrible curse upon them. It is not the intent, nor the right, nor even within the ability of this author to point out individuals today who have or have not priesthood rights and keys, nor to identify those who abuse their priesthood authority and keys, but only to provide the criteria we should use along with the uh, inspiration from the Lord to determine this for ourselves. That's right. You teach them the correct principles. You teach them the correct um ways and then you let them govern themselves that's the end of chapter four next time we're going to be reading chapter five the function and use of the keys um and in ensign to the nations um it will be uh from ensign to the nations holy priesthood volume six and we will be in chapter five the function and the use of the keys on page um 67 Okay, and if you want to call in or if you have anything that you wanted to add or ask, um, and even if you just wanted to be able to call in and chat, that's fine too, I suppose. Um, the call-in number is 917-889-8827, and I'm just going to read a little bit longer. It will not be very long. Um, the beginning of Chapter 5. And I don't know how much you have highlighted on the thing. Do you have all of page 67 highlighted or what? Yeah, I think I actually did a little bit more than one page because I went to, I think there's a couple of points, like there's a list, like number one, number two, number three, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then one quote after that, and then that's where I ended the preview at. My goodness, you gave him two whole pages of preview. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was... All right, I got to be right. Yes, you do. Um, also, uh, next week, or tomorrow, Chapter 5 is extremely small. I can read Chapter 5 in, like, five minutes. The next chapter, Chapter 6, is Oath and Covenant of Priesthood. And because I'm able to look at up really quickly because I have the books. That's what I'm looking at and planning for. So we probably should be reading also chapter six. Oh yeah, and we could finish all of chapter six also, five and six together. And yeah, and then seven will have to stand on its own because that's quite a bit. So let me give you a um, little bit of a prequel. <laughs> The function and use of the keys. The veil was taken from our minds, and the eyes of our understanding were opened. Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 110, verse 1. The value of any key is in its use and function. If you should find a ring of keys along the road, you would have a problem in knowing what they're for. And without that knowledge, they would be worthless to you. If such a perplexing situation arises over small temporal keys, what greater problems can arise over spiritual keys? Men use keys and locks to open up their temporal treasures. 
God uses keys to open up the treasures of his kingdom. A key without a lock or a lock without a key is of no value. Furthermore, if they are not protecting anything of value, they are still worthless. The greater the value of that which is protected, the greater the value of the keys. This can also be applied to spiritual keys as well. All keys have one thing in common. They are meant to operate, function, or perform some useful act. If they do not achieve this, then what value are they? Going back to the analogy of car keys, if someone has the, the key to a car but doesn't know how to drive, is the key of much value to him? So, it is with spiritual keys, they must first be located and identified and then put to use, even if persons, you know, have genuine keys but are not functioning with them they are no more worse than having the wrong keys or having the keys at all, any keys at all. Uh, we're on page 68 now. Anyone can claim spiritual keys, and many do, but the real worth of their keys is determined by how they function with them. Many questions continually arise regarding spiritual keys. Number one, who has them? Number two, how are they being used? Number three, does the LDS Church still have priesthood keys? Number four, can anyone outside the church have priesthood keys? And number five, how can someone lose priesthood keys? Today, we are in a situation worse than a century ago. In 1956, Wilfred Woodruff chastised the priesthood holders for their lack of valiancy in their use of priesthood keys. This quote is from Discourse of Wilfred Woodruff, um, edition by G. Homer Durham, page 327. Quote, the Lord has given you the keys of the priesthood with all the blessings pertaining to it, as great and as mighty as the work as ever was committed to any man on the earth, and that, too, in the midst of the last dispensation and fullness of time. The Lord requires us to prepare the generation, both Jew and Gentile, either for salvation or damnation, through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and administering the ordinances of the house of God. And we go to sleep. The, apostle, the apostles go to sleep. The 70s go to sleep. The elders of Israel close their eyes to slumber. And we, the only people God has on the earth, upon whose shoulders he has laid the responsibility of performing this great, mighty work. End quote. Discourse of Wilford Woodruff, edition by G. Homer Durham, pages 327. If there are as many keys to the priesthood today... Where are they functioning, or are the elders still asleep? Dun, 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 and that will be for tomorrow. We're going to be on page 69 starting off tomorrow at 8.30, whatever standard time that we are. <laughs> <laughs> Mountain standard time? Yep, that's me. I've been in all of the time zones, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, maybe uh, not like uh, Japan, like you have <laughs> Yeah, or Alaska's or Hawaii's, like I have. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I wanted to say one thing. Okay, so just real quick with uh, the preview. Um, the church had a position of authority called the Patriarch of the Church, and the Patriarch of the Church had uh, authority that they did away with. Also, the bishop of the church has authority, and they're supposed to be equal in authority to the presidency of the church. And if the presidency of the church goes astray, that there is a provision in the Doctrine and Covenants for the president of the church to be 
to be um, excommunicated. Now, when the president of the church decides they don't want that anymore, they don't want to have the threat of that, they do away with the office, and they think that they're free and clear, but they have a little bit of a problem because in Daniel chapter 12, uh, we see in the last days that God raises up a man who is metaphorically clothed in linen. And all that means is that he is pure uh, before the Lord, not that he's actually clothed in linen, but he is pure, not mixed with the world. So one of the Torah laws is you don't mix uh, wool and linen. Uh, if you do, you're impure or these are unpure garments. So anyway, but this man clothed in linen raises his arms to the air, or in other words, raises his arms to the square and severs the power of all the holy people. Well, the power of all the holy people in the last days being severed is that God appoints a servant who he calls the man clothed in linen with the authority to sever the ordinances and keys and priesthood of all the holy people. And this is a hard reset so that the house of God can be set back in order. This one man clothed in linen holds the keys that God gave him to do the authority uh, to cut off the whole church for apostasy. So when you're excommunicated, if you are excommunicated for something other than sin, the church never had the right to take your priesthood from you. But if you are excommunicated from, uh, for sin, you, have, uh, you can have your priesthood severed from you. Well, what happens when the whole church goes into apostasy and the presidency of the church begins taking out the other offices and and basically destroying those offices so that he doesn't have to worry about being excommunicated and the people just go along with it, well, that's sin. That's iniquity. And that's why the church, that's part of the reason the church and the house of God as a whole has had all of their authority stripped from them and severed, as Daniel saw in chapter and that fulfillment was in uh, July of 2013. And I am, am on wash plant, so I think I'm breaking up a little bit. Just a tiny bit, yeah. Yeah, so I'm almost down to the bottom of wash plant. Now, I did not know that that was in Daniel chapter 12. I had no idea that that was even a thing when God told me when I was up near Bliss, Idaho, near the Snake River, um, I think it was in an onion factory or an onion-like warehouse or something. I, I can't remember. It was a while ago. But um, God told me to do this thing, and I was like, why would you want me to do that? Like, it took me off guard by surprise. And he said, because if they will not accept you as my witness, I will not accept them. And it was explained to me that there had to be a hard reset because so many lines of authority were out of order and because of the apostasy of the church and the house of God as a whole, 
they needed to have everything reset and so that we could redeem Zion with pure power and authority. Now, if you don't know it, I was rece- I received the fullness of the priesthood under the hand of the Father. That's why I know what it is. That's why I've been given the authority. Well, I was given the keys as well. So, um, so getting off that topic, I thought it was funny. If you have a key and you don't use it, it's worthless. Um, I thought you were going to tease me a little bit because I do not throw away keys or cords or plugs. And I've got... Okay, so that actually went through my head. I was kind of giggling because I was like, my husband, we have all these keys. I'm like, what does this even go to? And he's like, I don't know, but it's important, so keep it. But we don't know what it goes to. But he never gets rid of any keys that he finds. And all the little girls... I might find a lock or something... You never yep. know. And Eliza, Eliza found one. Our daughter, she's eight years old. She found one, and she was like, "Oh, Dad's gonna want this." <laughs> and she was like, "What is this go to?" She's like, "I don't know. It's the key, so it's yours." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and so funny. And someday I will give the oldest Emmett his inheritance of a box of keys, cords, and plugs, <laughs> yeah. and he won't know what any of them go to. <laughs> and then you can give your children <laughs> all of the keys. <laughs> anyway, Emmett is watching the studio. So, Emmett, is there anybody in the chat room? And is there any questions? Or is there anybody on the the studio tonight that uh, has pushed one so you can see their hand raised? Or a little question mark by the phone number? Uh, nope, not from what I can tell. Okay. Well, that's fine with me. Um, I am grateful for Let everybody. Let me reload this. Hold on. It says mom hung up. Oh, I'm still you, here. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, okay, yeah, I reloaded it. Uh, she just wasn't showing up on it for some reason. It says there's two okay. followers. I can see you and me and mom. <laughs> Oh, okay, so, yeah, there's two callers because you're on the host line and Mom and I are the two callers that called it in. Did you get that? That makes sense. Okay. All right, yeah, we'll be back on tomorrow, and I'll try to figure out if we're going to do just a really short program or if we're going to do a longer uh, program with two chapters. I don't like to... I like to split it up by chapter, so we might just do a short run and then a short run. But I'll look at it when uh, I have the ability to. Uh, okay. Uh, you're talking like yes. you're a transformer. Sorry. Uh, well, all right. Well, I'm going to just, uh, uh, we'll leave it at that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Everybody mute your mics. Mamet, cue the music. Thank you, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.